Hey, happy hump day, Met fans. It's Wednesday. I wish I could say we would have a happy recap today, but for the fifth time in a row after the game, I'm afraid we are being denied that opportunity to do so. Yes, the trip we hated the most when we looked at the schedule, the trip to the West Coast to play the Giants and Dodgers, is basically... Turning out the way we hoped it wouldn't, but feared we would see this happen. So we can't say we're shocked. And reality is setting in. Uh, the season is quickly slipping. I know people are always going to say they're optimistic, but things aren't looking too optimistic right now. You never say never, and I'll never say never, but things are not looking good. This team, let's be honest, they're now under 500. <clears throat> And statistically, they were defying odds all season long. You know that. I know that. We all know that. Doesn't mean we can hope. Doesn't mean we can't cheer. Doesn't mean we can't pray for things to turn better. But let's face it. 13 straight games against the Dodgers and Giants might be a daunting task. Those NLS powerhouses have also lost more than 35% of the time this season. So they're not unbeatable. So it's probable the Mets will probably break through against those teams, right? Well, we tried again last night. And Louis Rojas keeps sending out a beleaguered lineup. And again, they've got to show up offensively. And they lost 3-2 to the Giants' circle park. The loss was the Mets' fifth straight, all against the Dodgers and Giants, with eight games remaining against those teams over the next nine games. The Mets 59-60 and 60 now. Dropped below 500 for the first time since May 5th and fell four and a half games behind the Braves in the, in the NL East. And the Mets have lost 12 of 16 games. Yeah, we couldn't even predict that things would be this bad, could we have? And right now, we're at that point where Mets need results. They can say all they want. They're saying they're giving it all in every game, take each game at a time. But those are just cliches. They have to prove it on the field. And even Alonzo made that bold prediction after the Mets were swept in three games in Philly, which kind of, kind of told you where this team might be headed when he said, we've got this after that series. He was asked about that, and uh, he said, yesterday I stand by everything, single thing I said before. So it's good to have his enthusiasm, positive outlook. But when you crunch the numbers, it's just not happening, folks. Uh, it's true the Mets have a lot of guys who are injured. And some of the best players of what they do, you got DeGrom, Lindor, could be considered one of the top shortstops in the game, if not the best. Uh, but that happens to every team, and some years you have to admit, it's just not going to be your season if it happens, right? So I don't know what to say. I mean, I, I do appreciate Pete's honesty and saying, you know, he called it, he gave out the facts like he should have. And yeah, he's standing by this team, and I think that's what you should be doing. But if you look at baseball history, when things are going this bad for a team that is injury depleted like the Mets, 
and playing top caliber competition, it's just not going to work out. But like I said, you got to believe. So we keep on playing the games. That's why they play the games. We didn't think they'd be in first place for what? Three months? But they were. That's because you had to play the games. But they have over 162 games scheduled. The cream always rises to the top. And we'll see what happens after 162. Uh, Alonzo was backing up his words yesterday when he blasted two-run homer in the eighth against Logan Webb. And that provided the Mets with a glimmer of hope. Uh, that was also Pete's 26th home run of the season. So he'll hit 30, 35 homers this year, hopefully. Uh, that's about what you probably expected from him this year anyway. And the Mets got the tying run to second base in the ninth, but Kevin Pollard struck out looking on Dominic Leone curveball to end the game. Jeff McNeil had single leading off the inning against left-hander Tony Watson for Jonathan Villar struck out, and Patrick Mazika was retired on hard ground at the first base. Leone entered to face Pollard and got ahead 0-2 in the count before snapping off a curve in the strike zone to end it. Now, Marcus Stroman gave the Mets a much-needed solid performance following consecutive abbreviated starts by Carlos Carrasco and Rich Hill, which I didn't expect, especially from Carrasco. He got obliterated last time out. Now, Stroman allowed just five hits over seven innings, in which he allowed three earned runs with nine strikeouts and two walks over a season-high 114 pitches. It snapped a streak of four straight starts in which he failed to complete six innings. Now, Stroman had already reached 100 pitches, but he returned to the mound in the seventh inning and surrendered a leadoff homer to Evan Longoria that pushed the Mets into a three-run hole. So you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. You want to take him out when he reaches 100, you put him in there. Once he reaches 100, he gives up a home run right away. Now, the Mets wasted scoring chances in the fourth and fifth inning against Webb in the fourth McNeil, who began the day in an 0-14 slide into an inning-ending double play after Michael Conforto's double and J.D. Davis's infield single. Longoria's throwing error on Davis's grounder allowed Conforto to reach third, but he might have scored if he hadn't retreated to second on the play. Now, in the fifth, Paul Arn Stroman singled his session with two outs, but Brandon Nimmo was retired on a soft line drive to second base. Nimmo also left Mazika at second and third inning when he struck out 10 in the game. Tommy Westella launched Stroman's eighth pitch of the game for a two-run homer in the first inning. That blast came on a 90-mile-an-hour cutter that stayed up in the strike zone. And you know Stro, he's got to keep his pitches down. Now, Amont Wade Jr. single leading off the Giant for the Giants before Estella cleared defensive center for the second home run of the season. And uh, let's face it, the team's in a tough hole right now. Well, you got to see what they can do. Uh, realistically, I don't think it's going to happen. But you still have to play the games. But there's always encouraging news even when things are bad. And the encouraging news is no one... No one. I wish we had no one, Ryan. Uh, no one, Syndergaard and uh, Francisco Lindor faced off against each other in a simulated game yesterday. Uh, for Syndergaard, it was the first time facing batters since the shutdown in late May with elbow discomfort. Lindor, on the comeback from a right oblique strain, took swings against high velocity for the first time since his IL stint began. Louis Guillaume, who is rehabbing from a left hand strain, also participated in the game. Syndergaard, according to manager Louis Ross, kept his fastball in the mid-90 mile-per-hour range. Uh, he said Thor was more worried about movement, and he threw about 20 pitches. The expectation is Syndergaard, who is returning from 2020 Tommy John surgery, will throw at least one additional eye batting practice before he's evaluated for a potential minor league 
rehab assignment with an eye toward joining the Mets in September, perhaps as a reliever. Lindor, according to Rojas, could be precluded from a minor league assignment by continuing to take at-bats in simulated game settings. Uh, Rojas basically said it could happen. We simulate a lot of things, saying the pitches that he saw and the swings that he took in the YB is even more than going through a rehab assignment. Let's see how he keeps progressing. But today was a real good day. And Javi Baez took rounders in infield for the first time since he was placed on the IL last week with back spasms. And unfortunately, the news just keeps going for the worse here as far as injuries. James McCann was scratched from the starting lineup with back spasms, putting Patrick Mazika behind the plate. A day earlier, Mets placed catcher Thomas Nito on the IL with a thumb sprain. So we got a major catcher situation going on with the team. Uh, just when you thought it couldn't get worse, right? Now, Kevin Poore started left field, putting Dominic Smith on the bench because Rojas liked the matchup against Giants right-hander Logan Webb. Jonathan Vore entered play with at least one hit in nine of his last 11 games. Now, over this stretch, he has batted three fifty with four homers and eight RBIs and a 1.031 OPS. Now, Brandon Drury, one of the highlights of the year, began play, leading the major leagues with a four seventy eight batting average as a pinch hitter this season. He is the first Met player with at least 10 hits as a pinch hitter in a season since Alejandro de Aza in 2016. Who remembers Alejandro? Drury began play with three pinch homers this season, the most by a Mets player since Kelly Johnson in 2016. So... Hopefully these guys start getting healthy and hopefully the pitchers start stretching out because I got to be honest with you, this bullpen's really overworked. And with the season on the brink, how much more can you expect from these guys? And the wear and tear is starting to show a little bit. Combinations of extra inning games and shortened starts by Met pitchers have pushed Mets relievers to the limit lately. Um, it, you don't know where to start. It's two 10-inning losses to Dodgers over the weekend or abbreviatings abbreviated outings by Carlos Carrasco and Rich Hill in consecutive games Sunday and Monday. And uh, it all adds up to the Mets having exhausted bullpen in recent days. It's been tough. They've been working a lot, and they're getting a lot of usage. Uh, but let's just run down the relievers. Jerry's Familia was a significant piece of the bullpen the season's first half, but August has been a different story. Familia entered play with two bone saves and two losses in a month. He had posted a 6.75 ERA. That's not the familiar we're used to. And when familiar has struggled in the past, it's usually become a walk. So he can go on a little control problem issue. Uh, in this case, she's just been knocked around with 11, giving up 11 hits over six and two-thirds innings. And that's probably a sign of fatigue. He produced more fly balls than grounders. And at best, familiar pounds the batters with hard sinkers and inducing grounders. Now, familiar had a strong July but he also threw 203 pitches in a month that was shortened by the All-Star break. Familia hasn't thrown as many as 185 pitches in any other month. Now Miguel Castro, who I really loved in the beginning of the year, and I still say he has unlimited potential. He slumped in early June and July. I mean June, July, before rebounding in recent weeks. But even so, even Castro wilted on Monday when he allowed a go-ahead homer to Chris Bryant in the fifth inning after the Mets had taken the lead in their previous at-bat. Castro was pitching for the third time in four days and finished with 28 pitches in a stint of one and one-third innings. Rojas cited overuse for Castro's inconsistency in the middle of the season. Some Mets officials will carefully monitor the right-hander's workload. 
And how about Trevor May? He was the big offseason bullpen splash for the Mets. And uh, he appeared to have his season on track until his last two appearances, both of which ended with him allowing three earned runs. But unlike his appearance against the Nationals last week, in which he surrendered three runs over only one-third inning, the Mets couldn't rebound against Monday against the Giants. And that game may allow consecutive homers to Brandon Belt and Bryant in the seventh. May has been one of the best relievers post-All-Star break. Uh, and that's why they're giving him the ball, but even he's faltered the last few times out. Now let's talk Seth Lugo, other than that awful performance in Pittsburgh to begin the second half when he allowed five runs in two-thirds of an inning. The right-hander has been his usual dependable presence in the late innings. Of all the Met relievers, he might be the freshest at this juncture of the season, given his late start. He missed the first two months after rehabbing from off-season elbow surgery and the Mets' vigilance in trying to ensure he doesn't pitch consecutive days. Lugo entered Tuesday with a 1.35 ERA in five appearances this month, and allowed only four base runners over six and two-thirds. So we may want to consider Seth Lugo for those high-leverage closing situations for the next week or so. Aaron Loop, what a great year he's had. He's been close to untouchable, allowing only one earned run since May 21st, but that success has been largely predicated upon finding the right matchups for Loop. Let's be honest, he's basically a specialist, and he pitched only four and a third innings over his last seven appearances entering Tuesday. In his last appearances combined, Lupo had only thrown ten pitches, and uh, they may want to get more usage out of Loop. Uh, just see what he can do. Uh, he's got the stuff, that's for sure. Uh, for Edwin Diaz, the workload hasn't been much of an issue in recent weeks, simply because of the scarcity of save opportunities. He's the big man coming in the ninth inning. Boy, do we miss that walk-in song for Diaz, don't we? He'd only thrown 46 pitches in August as Tuesday's play began. The flip side is the worry Diaz won't be sharp when he's needed. He has indicated a preference for pitching at least every third game to prevent rustiness. So we need to see Edwin, Edwin pitch a little bit more often. Now, where there's hope, there's dope. And uh, let's not forget, a month ago, we were on top of the baseball world, and the Yankees were uh, basically... Hanging on by a thread. Now look at the Yankees are qualifying for a wild card as we play today. And the Mets are four and a half games out of any potential playoff race. So that just goes to show you anything can happen in baseball. Uh, now granted the Yankees have a much, much better team. Uh, but the Mets have a much, much weaker division. So just keep on cheering. We'll get there eventually. Uh, I sure hope we get there eventually. <laughs> But remember, Steve Cohen, even when he took over the team, said this is a three- to five-year process. So they didn't expect to do well this year. I think what was fool's gold was the fact that we were in first place, even though we weren't really a first-place team all this time. And now I think frustration is starting to set in, and the frustration is setting in with Marcus Stroman. Um, he did a little bit of everything yesterday, including a stroking a single, making a jump throw on a bunt that Derek Jeter would be proud of, and he pitched one hell of a game. Uh, what his night did not include was prognosticating or evaluating. It's unclear if future nights of this will include speaking publicly. Asked after the 3-2 loss to Giants if he could diagnose why the results, five straight losses, have not been there for the Mets, Stroman said no clue. And then he he leaved the Zoom meeting, adding, man, I'm done answering those, those these guys' questions. So he's frustrated, and he may be a little bit difficult going forward with the press. Now... 
the good news is he pitched well because in the first four games against the Giants and the Dodgers, only Taiwan Walker really pitched a quality start. And the rotation, let's face it, it's become a weakness now in the second half of the season. Uh, what are you going to do? Stroman, like, they extended him yesterday. That's all you could ask for him yesterday. He gave up that home run, but what this team needs to do is start hitting, and the starting pitching has to start coming back. Easier said than done, right? Now, even Pete Alonso keeps saying that we'll be in a better place by the end of the year. So, you got to believe. I think we have more talent than we did in 73, and I think the division is just about the way it was in 73. So, you got to believe. Would I bet on it? Nope. But I believe. Because if I bet on sports, I'll lose my shirt. So don't go by me what I'm predicting. So I still think there's hope for the Mets. Okay, folks. You know what time it is now. It's time when you hear that little jingle in the background. It's time for Met Jeopardy and Trivia. Who is ready? Okay. Looks like you guys got your thinking caps on. That's what I want to see. Today's trivia question. Who led off the World Series with an inside-the-park home run and more than five hours later scored the winning run in the 14th inning against the Metropolitans? Now today's baseball jeopardy. Okay, two clues for today's Mets final jeopardy. Whoops, the music went off. How'd that happen? Let's get that music back on. There we go. Now we're ready for jeopardy. The two crews are traded by the Toronto Blue Jays to New York Mets in exchange for Leo Estrella on July 31st, 1998. Second crew, his 114 runs scored in 1992 were American League best. So once again, the crews are traded by the Toronto Blue Jays to New York Mets in exchange for Leo Estrella on July 31st, 1998. Second crew, his 114 runs scored in 1992 were American League best. Lock in your answers. Be ready to reveal them at the end of the podcast when we always reveal the answers. Okay, now it's time for birthday wishes for all the Mets past and present who were born on this day, August 18th. Let's start off with legendary folklore hero Choo Choo Coleman. Choo Choo was with us from 62, 63, and he also played a handful of games in 66. Choo Choo was a catcher by trade and one of the uh, mythical figures of early Met fandom. Happy birthday, Choo Choo Coleman. Also celebrating a birthday today, Bruce Benedict. Oh, you say, wait, Bruce never played. He was an Atlanta Brave catcher, wasn't it? Bruce Aids Benedict from the TBS games? Well, you're correct. But what you're forgetting is Bruce Benedict was also a Met coach from 1997 to 1999. Happy birthday to Terry Blocker. He was a first-round pick and a fourth-round, fourth pick overall back in 1981. Unfortunately, he only played 18 games with the Mets and batted 067. So despite the hype of him being a number one pick, fourth overall in the Major League Draft, he never really prospered in the Major Leagues. But it's Terry's birthday today, so happy birthday, Terry Blocker. Also, happy birthday to Pat Mish. Hamish, number 48 with the Mets in 2009, 10 and 11. All told, he pitched in 40 games for the Mets. Uh, saved no games. 
I did start 13 games. Started 7 in 2009 and 6 in 2010. And he did pitch a shutout for us in 2009. Happy birthday, Pat Mish. He turns the big 4-0 today. Happy birthday. Happy, happy birthday. Happy birthday to Justin Wilson. Justin pitched Wilson in 2019 and 2020. We had a great ERA 2.91. Served us well. He had four saves. So happy birthday to Justin Wilson. And those are all your birthday boys for today. So happy birthday to all five of those young and prosperous and fine Met players from the past. Except Bruce Benedict was a coach. Now let's talk Met transactions that happened on this day. On this day in uh, 1965, the Mets purchased Dave Eilers from the Milwaukee Braves. Remember when the Braves were in Milwaukee? And on this date, the Mets traded one of my favorite players to watch. Uh, back in 1995, they traded Brett Butler to the Los Angeles Dodgers for Scott Hunter and Dwight Manis. Now let's put on our time travel hats, but we're not going to travel too far back into history. We're just going to go back two years ago. Yeah, it's hard to believe, but this was the date that Pete Alonso set the NL rookie season, single season home run record. Now the Mets were back in contention in the midst of a wild card race. And after winning 15 of 16 games, they fell off a bit, having won just two in their last five games. Most of the day's attention went to rookie sensation slugger Pete Alonso. He entered the game just one home run to set the NLHR mark, needing just one home run to set the NLHR mark for rookies. Now, Mickey Cowboys, Mets, remember Mickey? <laughs> uh... Whatever happened to him, right? 64 and 60 were in Kansas City taking on Ned Yost Royals, and the Royals were slumping that year, 44 and 81. Now, the Royals had fallen to fourth place with the league's third worst record. The Mets' Zach Wheeler took the mound against Glenn Sparkman in front of 20,661 on a Sunday matinee at, at Kaufman Royal Stadium. The Mets' bat started right away in the first inning as Ahmad Rosario singled but was caught stealing. Joe panicked, then tripled to left, and Pete Alonso was issued a walk. The hot-hitting Michael Conforto blasted a three-run home in the right, his 26th home run in a year. Now in the fourth, Zach Wheeler gave a double to Hunter Dozier, and Orge Soler reached on a catcher's interference call. A wild pitch then moved the runners over, and a ground-out scored the Royals' first run. In the home sixth inning, three Royals hits and an in the end of timeout Boston. Three Royals hits and an error led to three runs being scored and KC taking the lead 4-3. Now, the Mets erupted with a big sixth inning. Todd Frazier doubled and the sacrifice over the third. A J.D. Davis base hit tied the game at four. Catcher Thomas Nito then doubled. Ahmad Rosario singled, bringing home both runners. After a pitching change, after a pitching change, Panic singled to center. Then Pete Alonso doubled home Rosario. Conforto and Wilson Ramos both singled, and the Mets had a nice 9-4 lead. The Royals got a run off Jaris Familia, making it 9-5, going to the ninth inning. As the inning began, the Royals were on their fifth pitcher, Jacob Barnes. Pete Alonzo led off the inning and made history. He blasted a monster home in the left field, setting a new NL home run mark for rookies. He was greeted by his happy teammates, and they continued to witness his incredible season. Alonzo would go on to set the MLB record and met single season home run marks with 53. What a great day that was, wasn't it? What else happened on this date in my history? Well, I'm so glad you're asking. 
On this date, the Yankees sold Ray Burris, who was 1-3 record-wise at the time, to the Mets. On this date, in 1982, the Reds played 14 innings and overcome a 5-1 Mets lead to win 7-6. Heartbreaker indeed. Cesar Cedeno singled in the winning run. And on this date in 2002, and on a great day in Met history, in a pregame ceremony, Tommy Agee is inducted posthumously into the New York Mets Hall of Fame. The center fielder will play with the team from 1968 to 1972. is best remembered for two of his great catches in Game 3 of the 1969 World Series. So that's some of the stuff that happened on this date in Met history. Now we're going to talk about what's going on in the greatest New York Mets baseball, baseball group there is on Facebook. For New York Mets baseball way of life. So many great things being discussed. Like I mentioned that Michael Conforto entering last night was hitting 304 with 497 on base percentage and 522 slugging percentage with a 155 wins created plus over 54 plate appearances and appearances in August. Harvey Porter is kind of now he's at Sour Drive. Where was he April through July? Below the Mendoza line. That's where. Richard Rose says, except when the game is on the line like the rest of them. Don Loud adds a little enthusiasm for Conforto and says, go Michael. I mentioned that through 326 career games, who had the most extra base hits by a Met player? Well, it's tied. David Wright and Pete Alonso at 150. Also, I mentioned the Mets OPS with runs in scoring position this season is 699. Among NL clubs, only the Diamondbacks, 691. The Pirates, 624 have posted a lower OPS with runners in scoring position. That kind of tells the tale where the Mets stand this year when they're in the company of the Diamondbacks and the Pirates. Now the Mets have the six most at-bats and runners in scoring position in August. So the bases have been uh, filled with potential run scorers, but they have the third fewest hits with runners in scoring position, 20. Can't win that way. We touched on uh, Marcus Stroman's big night last night where he had a Two earned runs with nine strikeouts on 100 pitches. The ERA inched up a little bit to 2.80 on the year, which is ninth in the major leagues this season. And unfortunately, I had a note that the Mets just experienced a 9.5 game swing in the standings over 19 games. And it wasn't going our way, that swing. It went the opposite way of what we hoped. Then I asked, uh, what did I, I asked a lot of things. I'm just trying to pick out some of the highlights of what's been going on for you. Uh, I think that's just going to about touch everything that we wanted to talk about. Like I said, if you ever want to join a group, please, please do so. Uh, if you're a Facebook member, we're New York Mets Baseball Way of Life. And subscribe to the podcast. We have one up every day. So wherever you listen to this podcast, subscribe to it, and you'll be alerted when one is up every day. And... Uh, You'll be able to check out the whole catalog for your listening pleasure. And if you ever need to reach me, I'm at philstan41 at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Okay, now we're back with today's final Jeopardy and Trivia question answers. Okay, we're going to start with the trivia question. Trivia question was, who out off the World Series with an inside-the-park home run and more than five hours later scored the winning run in the 14th inning? Well, the correct answer is Alcides Escobar, unfortunately, in Game 1 of the 2015 World Series. Congrats to Jason Lynch on being the first to submit the correct answer. 
Now, yesterday's Jeopardy, the two crews were traded by the Toronto Blue Jays to the New York Mets in exchange for Leo Estrella on July 31, 1998. His 114 runs scored in 1992 were an American League best. The correct response to yesterday's Jeopardy is, who is Tony Phillips? And guess who got it right? Yes, our resident expert, Jason Lynch, was the first to submit the correct response. Ah, what's that we hear in the background? The original theme music, The Kindness Corner. That can only mean one thing, folks. We're wrapping up another great podcast. And what makes this podcast so great? The fact that you people are listening to it. I really appreciate it. Hopefully, and I say hopefully, we'll be back with a happy recap tomorrow as the Mets continue their West Coast joint. Tonight, Tyler McGill, 1-2 with a 3.42 ERA, takes the bump for the Mets. He'll be going against Anthony DiScofani, 11-5 with a 3.29 ERA. Should be a good pitcher's duel, and hopefully the Mets can snap out of this funk. No matter what, keep rooting for those Metsies. Once a Mets fan, always a Mets fan. Let's go Mets. you got to believe, and I'll talk to you guys tomorrow.